Welcome to Revenue Jam, powered by Sales Assembly. With monthly live sessions, interviews with our executive team, and exclusive conversations with revenue leaders across B2B tech, this podcast is guaranteed to help you close the skill gaps across your entire go-to-market team. If you're looking for weekly, relevant, and timely content like this, go ahead and subscribe. Let's get into this episode. Welcome to the next episode of Fireside Fridays. I'm Jeff Ross, CEO of Sales Assembly, and I'm super excited to be joined by my good friend, longtime peer and buddy here in the tech ecosystem here in Chicago, Kelly Marbury. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. It's been quite a wild ride since we first met. (laughs) So Kelly's with LinkedIn, and Kelly and I first met when she was with Sprout Social, as one of our very first members here in Chicago back in 2017. I can't even remember <laughs> that far back. So we've known each other for a while and I'm and I'm excited to sync up and, and talk shop. Yeah, absolutely. Working with Sales Assembly has been probably one of the more transformative things that I've done in my career. Besides the great content and the sessions that you put on and all that I've learned from you, it's massively expanded my network. It's helped me get into roles at Sprout Social, know and evaluate different organizations and get to LinkedIn as well. So a lot of gratitude for you and Sales Assembly. I would not enjoy my life nearly as much as I do if it did not exist. That's that's awesome to hear. I give you a virtual fist bump for the shout out. Thank you very much. And we were catching up for a few minutes before we got on the call. And you were saying something really interesting that I wanted to kind of pull the thread on. And you were talking a little bit about, use the term deep sales. Yeah. And Obviously, in today's environment, decision makers are getting absolutely bombarded with outreach. And it's a combination between companies that need to fill pipeline because they're missing their number. And so they're just like blasting and blasting outreach to try to get meetings combined with the barriers being taken down because of like AI and different automation tools that just it's so much easier to pull a list, scrub it put a sequence together, press send, and boom, it goes out to 10,000 people. And we were talking a little bit about the difference between like quality and quantity and really getting strategic with how we're doing sales these days. So like, tell me a little bit about your thought there, what you're doing to coach your teams on how to like really focus on that deep sales and and being more effective versus just focusing on spray and pray and in ramping up the volume. It's a fascinating subject, but a hard one too, right? Like for years, this has been very effective for many of us. Of We send uh, a massive marketing outreach. We send email cadences and we get as many as we can to fill that funnel. But we are just seeing that the reply rates, like the bottom's falling out. So especially through through COVID, we're seeing less and less people reply to all of the messages that are going out. And like the definition of insanity, many of us are just continue to do it and say like, well, I need to just put more out there so that I'll get more responses. And I think when like industries go through different changes, there's never going to be a like light switch on and off. That's it. We don't do uh, marketing automation anymore. We don't use cadences. We're still going to use all of these tools. But if we really want to reach people, we've got to meet them where they are instead of where we want them to be. And so a lot of the time that we're spending at LinkedIn and and the reason that we call it deep sales is it's really more focused on the client than what we can sell them. How do they make money? Not what can we sell them so that we make money? What are they trying to solve? What is their ideal customer profile? Do we understand all of these things before we're talking about, hey, they'd be a great fit for a product from LinkedIn? 
A lot of times I'm seeing reps that are, are really having the most success, understanding what the challenges are of a client that we can't fix. They're understanding that like their business is undergoing a change that our products can't solve. But we know that and we're having discussions about that so that we can be in the right place and the right position to help them with the problems that we can help them solve. And so I think that this, this idea of really focusing on quality is um, where we have to go, but it's uncomfortable and it's hard because it's not as fast. We know we need to do it, but it's just a lot harder. And so we're like, I'm just going to hit send on that cadence, right? And just get it out because that's worked before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's harder because it takes more effort to think through the words that you're using and there's a lot more effort that goes into it. Um, And that's the other problem is that like it takes longer. And I think the pushback that you get from reps and you get from leaders, it's like we got to hit a number by the end of the quarter. And for us to put in the amount of effort and time that it's going to take to personalize these emails, but like really personalize them, like not just say... I see that you work in the information and technology space in the greater Chicago area. It's like, come on, that's bullshit. Like I saw you were on this podcast. You said these three things. Here's what I thought about that. And then, oh, by the way, here's how it ties into how my product could solve your problem. Like we're not putting in the time and effort because it's time consuming and it, it, it takes a lot of work. So like, how do you grapple with the fact that you have numbers to hit, you have to go fast, you have expectations, but you also know that if you don't, put this time and effort in, the results are not going to be there. Yeah, there isn't like an easy solve, right? I think that it is um, a solve by a few different avenues where we focus. So the first area that we focus is so many opportunities in our lives come from who we know and who our network is. I know I don't need to tell you that as the head of sales assembly, right? Like you've helped create so many of those networks in the first place. And it is not just about who am I trying to get in touch with? It's about who knows that person that I'm trying to get in touch with that I could say, Jeff, you and I have a high degree of trust. I'd like to introduce you to this person that I think could impact your business. Would you take a meeting? We're seeing response rates to that significantly higher than here is a marketing automation campaign. Are we still running marketing automation campaigns? Absolutely. But I think that like we have focused only on the area of quantity for so long that quality feels actually harder than it is and because we just haven't done it for so long. So your idea of like, okay, you want to break it down into chunks. I like the idea of like, this industry is an industry I'm having success in, and I can tell stories to leaders in that industry about how to be successful. That's like a great way to say, I've got thousands of accounts I need to sell to. How do I bucket out some of them? You can also do it by personality or by title, right? You can also do it by news events. Like you said, like following what's happening with the companies that you really think not only Do you want to sell to them? But you know that you can make a positive impact in their business and educate them, help them understand how. So I think that those, you know, like kind of who you're working with, building a broader relationship within that company, instead of just like pinging them with emails all day, we need to do all of it at this point. Yeah. And to give a shout out to somebody that that I know, you know, like your buddy, Sam McKenna, and I talked to her a lot about this topic and this is like how she's built her business is, is really around like personalization and like really understanding how to engage with people and mainly mm-hmm. through the medium of LinkedIn, of course, but it's just, it's so much more meaningful when you could send somebody a message that like references something that, you know, they care about, or, you know, that they've actually written down publicly or spoken about. And then 
and not just be the hard pivot to, and then here's what we do and like have a dialogue yeah. around things that they care about and show that you give a shit and show that you understand what they're going through and you're interested. It's such a different approach. And I don't have any statistics on the impact that it has on conversion rates or win rates, but anybody worth their salt in sales knows that it significantly goes up when you're able to build that level of trust and then effectively tie your product to their pain versus just like, let me get the email out to 5,000 people and see who raises their hand for a meeting. There's absolutely stats around response rates going down to standard emailing. And then also like when you're connected through someone, the, the higher response rate. And I love a, a hashtag, show me, you know me, call out. Sam does it best. And she can break it down very simply. I, I think that's the other thing with quality is once you start to do it, it is repetitive. You do have kind of an outline of like, this is something you care about. Here's how I found out about it. Here's how I think I can help you. There's there's an outline you can follow that does make quality simpler to do over and over again, but it does need to be personalized for each prospect or customer. Yeah. And the last thing that I'll say on the topic is if you do it and you do it well and it works, it's fun. Like it's fun crafting like an effective email or making a phone call and actually having the right thing to talk about. Yeah. Uh, it's enjoyable to go through a sales process when you've developed the type of rapport and trust with somebody that you only get from do doing these things versus you just feeling like you're always bothering somebody and being seen as like the annoying vendor that's just asking if they're ready to move forward with a decision. Yeah. Right? And that's really important, especially like in, in the environment right now, there's a lot of sellers out there that are struggling and they're not thrilled with the work that they're doing. They're not thrilled with the results and it leads to like yeah. happiness and it leads to satisfaction in their work. And I know that that's also something that, that you're passionate about and that you as a leader really focus on with your team is how do you really make sure that sellers and leaders in today's environment within tech are like finding joy and satisfaction in their work? Because if they're not, they're not going to want to put the effort in to, to going the extra mile to do this work. And, it, and it's full circle, right? Like if you're proud of the work that you're doing and you're satisfied and you find joy in it, you're going to put in the effort. And when you put in the effort, you get the results that make you happier. And so like, how do you reverse engineer it and like focus on that happiness quotient to really get people motivated and excited to put the effort in that they really need to do. Yeah, I'm so glad you bring this up. And I would be remiss if I did not give a massive shout out to Ryan Barreto on this. Back in, at Sprout years ago now, um, Ryan came in to uh, a standard leadership meeting and was like, everybody put your laptops away. We're not forecasting. And kind of, what? Like, this is going to be a different kind of meeting, right? And um, he, he talked about a gentleman that he um, was, you know, like at, at an event together with. And um, the gentleman's name is Sean Aker, and he is the kind of lead researcher and professor of happiness at Harvard. And so a lot of what we talked about that day was the idea that happiness, there's this feeling that like people who are happy are just born that way, or people who see the glasses as uh, half empty, just they're just that way. And you, you can't really change it. Your kind of mental happiness is something that you can work out very similar to going to the gym for your body. And so just like going to the gym for my body, sometimes I'm better at it than others. And the way I focus on this with my team 
is to give time-sensitive, actionable advice. And so when I think about this, we're all very busy. Regardless of what role you play in a corporation, there are a lot of things that you need to get done. And Mm -hmm. we can get into the like checklist of things that we need to do and not be focused on how much am I enjoying what I am doing. There are probably three things that I do that have greatly increased my ability to be happy over the years regardless of my performance. And then I would say, because I've been happier, I have performed higher. And so I think that a lot of times, professionally, we get this backwards. We're we're in a capitalist society, we are Americans, and we'd like to say like, I am gonna strive. And when I reach this pinnacle of success, then I will be happy. Mm -hmm. And what that turns into for like a young tech professional is, I just wanna get into tech and then I'll be happy. And I'm I'm a BDR. I'll be happy when I'm an AE. I'm an AE. I'll be happy when I'm selling to enterprise, selling to enterprise, but I'll be happy when I'm in management. And all of a sudden you've gone your entire career. You've done amazing things, but you've never really enjoyed it. And looking at it from that lens at the time I was leading a BD org and it just made me so sad. The idea that you're constantly getting these accolades that yourself five years ago was just striving for and that you never actually get to enjoy it is it's kind of crushing as a leader. And so the three things that I encourage my team to do and that I do regularly, the first is, and these are really simple things that don't take a lot of time. I gratitude journal on the regular. It's the thing that I tell like my friends and family, they have to get from my phone if I die and give to my husband or my children. And it's really starting the day, waking up and saying, here are three things I'm grateful for. Here's a motivation for the day. And here are three things I'm going to get done. It takes me five minutes at the absolute most. And when I start my day that way, instead of flipping over into my email, I'm like, oh, what is this response? Like I didn't get this in on time or it's a very different start to your day. And then at the end of the day, you do the same exercise, but you say like, what's one great thing that happened today? It allows your brain to relive that experience and you get kind of a double dose of it. So that's one thing I do. The second thing I do is I have gotten very generous with my gratitude for others. So I think there's a lot of times you think, wow, man, Jeff is really great at bringing people together through sales assembly. Man, I I wish I had that skill set. And you can kind of just be like, how does he do it? And instead, I stop myself in that moment and I send Jeff an email. I say, Jeff, you know, I just want you to know you're really great at bringing people together. You've massively expanded my network. And if I haven't told you that, like shame on me, but like I am happier as a result of knowing you and just putting that in a message, sending it to you is twofold. Number one, it, it like selfishly, right? It's not just an unselfish thing. Selfishly, it makes me feel good that you know this, right? And then second, you're a good guy. So you're probably going to say, Kelly, thanks so much for sending that. By the way, this is what's great about you. And so these things that can make you happy, you can look at them as selfless activities, but like they're a little bit self-serving as well, because there's like a benefit to you also. And then the last one that's the hardest to do in an environment where I'm mostly virtual is like, get outside. It is so easy to be like, I've spent an entire day with like this as my entire worldview. And being outside in nature, even in Chicago, when it's negative 13 degrees is incredibly good for your happiness level. So those three things, I try to do them every single day, share like proactive gratitude with someone, create a gratitude journal, and then get outside. If I do those three things, it's more than likely going to be a good day instead of a bad day.
you know, normally I'd have like a bunch of thoughts and follow questions, but that just makes so much damn sense that I really don't have anything else to say because it's like, why the hell would anybody not do those three things every single day? <laughs> just, and so here's the thing. Yeah. This is where the study gets cool if you're in sales, right? You're like, yeah, cool, happy, fluffy, whatever. The study is, and it shows across a variety of uh, industries, way beyond sales, that you are then more successful because you are happier. You can think clearer. You can communicate better. You are going to be more successful if you start with getting yourself happy first. And because we're usually reverse engineering it, it's harder to get to that place. Yeah, I love it. So that I can make more money too, which is why I also do it. You make more money. Yeah, it's great advice. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening to this that it's just it's a shock to the system. It's like, yeah, I've been in a rut. Yeah, the economy has been kind of rough. Yeah, my quota has gone up. I haven't sold as much as I'd like. My team isn't performing at the goals that we need. And it's like, look at yourself in the mirror. Are you waking up with like Mr. Grumpy face every day? Or are you taking time to think about all the good stuff that you got going on and going out for walks and taking advantage of all the people in your network and sending those emails and making those phone calls? Like, it's uh, you're absolutely right. And I can do a much better job of a lot of that stuff. And I think a lot of people could too. So I appreciate you bringing that to the forefront of people's consciousness because it's important. It's important to think about. I know we got to run. We were catching up at the beginning of the call. You were sharing with me the exciting news that you and your family just put in a pool at your house. So here are a couple of personal questions. So when you're at the pool and you got a couple of older kids, they're self-sufficient, they're goofing around, you want to have a cocktail, like what's your cocktail or drink of choice, alcoholic or not, mm -hmm. while you're hanging out at the pool. What do you okay. like? Non-alcoholic. I love me a good Fresca. My husband's got me, got me on the Fresca train. If you haven't tried it, go find it. It's usually in a small area in the soda aisle. And if it is alcoholic, I'm down to like a vodka soda, which I like wine. I like beer, but it doesn't like me anymore. So it's just a, a vodka soda every once in a while. Vodka soda. Got it. And Diving board or water slide? What's your preferred Ooh. form of entertainment at the pool? Wow. I got to go water slide. Water slide? Okay. Yeah. yeah like the one that you like. What about you? Or the loopy ones? Like what's your jam? Uh, in my younger years, straight down. I like the rush. I, I got to live now. I can't have any like injuries. So I'm going with the lazy river. I'll take okay. water slide now. I dig it. What That's about you? Better. What about me? Diving board or, diving board or water slide? I would definitely say water slide. I don't think I've been on a diving board probably since like high school or something like that. It's been so long since I've found myself at like a public pool that has a diving board. <laughs> so the water slide's always, always a ton of fun, but you can't go wrong, right? You can't go wrong. No, no both are tons of fun. Um, Kelly, this is awesome. Thanks so much for joining. I know you're active on LinkedIn. People could probably follow you there. Kelly Marbury, go find her. She's great. This was great. I look forward to the invitation to come hang out at the pool at some point before the weather turns here in Chicago. And I appreciate you and everything that you do. Always open. Yeah. I'd love to talk to anybody about sales or happiness or whatever else is on your mind. Okay, great. Everybody else. Thanks for joining. See you next week. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you for listening to this episode of Revenue Jam. If you want more practical tips and sales leadership advice, join us for our monthly live sessions. You can join in the conversation with Todd, Sam, Jen, and Matt every single month by going to lp.salesassembly.com slash live. And if you're looking for a solution to upskill your entire go-to-market team, check out salesassembly.com slash tour to see an ungated interactive demo. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode.